0: This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. As we continue this series, we'll be focusing on the words from uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 6. And he's addressing uh, one of the most meaningless jobs you can imagine. He's addressing people who are in slavery we'll try to apply this to our everyday lives. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are free or slave. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for gathering us here around your word. We ask that you would speak truth into our lives And that whatever you want us to know and believe, we would receive it and put it into practice. And Holy Spirit, don't let anything I'm doing get in the way of your ministry. In your name we pray. Amen. Love what you do and you'll never work a day in your life. Love what you do, and you'll never work a day in your life. Is that true? I think there's some truth to it, right? That, that we should be pursuing jobs and, and, and occupations that, that match our, our skills and our passions and our goals. But there's almost kind of a, a false promise or a false hope in this verse here, or this idea That that if I'm having any difficulty at work, if work is not going my way, if I'm not enjoying work, well, it's because I haven't found what I love. And if I could just figure that out, if I could just change jobs and, and find that one job that I really love, then it wouldn't be toil anymore. Then I would really love my work. Well, I think I've probably found the best job for me. Uh, you don't want me to be your electrician or your construction worker. You don't want me to, uh, to be your architect. You would be a, an unhappy customer, and I'd be a, probably a miserable employee. I think I'm wired for this kind of work of, of studying God's word and preparing sermons and writing and teaching and preaching and counseling. This is what I've always wanted to do. But I have to confess there have been times when I've wanted to quit the ministry. There have been times when, when I look at it and I think, this doesn't matter to people. I'm not having any kind of impact. It, it's not working. It just seems to be meaningless. And that's in the, the work I was designed to do. And the only thing sometimes that keeps me from quitting is thinking, well, what else would I do? Do you ever have that? I mean, do you ever have that? And and, and I'm not talking about the the jobs you hate. I'm talking about the jobs that you love, the ones that you were looking forward to. Maybe you were always looking forward to being a mom, a stay-at-home mom or a dad. Maybe you were looking to to have that job of of, of being that architect, that construction worker. Maybe you wanted to be that electrician. Maybe you wanted to be that teacher. You were always looking for that job and you finally got that work and you're doing the thing that you thought you were supposed to do and sometimes you want to give up and stop working. Because even in the best jobs, it just seems meaningless. It doesn't seem to have any lasting value. It doesn't seem to matter. Have you ever felt like that? I want to read something to you written by uh, Solomon. He wrote this 3,000 years ago and I think kind of echoes uh, these feelings. We can resonate with what he's saying. Now let me give you a little background to Solomon. He was the third king in Israel, and his father, King David, had set him up. King David had fought all the wars and battles and gotten rid of all of his enemies, so he didn't have anything to worry about. He didn't have to, he had had plenty of time on his hands because he didn't need to fight any battles. His father, King David, gave him an incredible inheritance. So he had all the money he wanted. And then God gave him incredible wisdom and skill. And so he had all the time he wanted, all the money he wanted, and all the brains he wanted, and all the opportunity he wanted. And he he took advantage of it. He he built this incredible palace. He built the temple of the Lord and all these other structures. He did all this kind of research and writing and, and, and had this expanding kingdom. The best job, the most the most important work that you can imagine, the most fulfilling work you could imagine. And this is what he says towards the end of his life as he looked back on all the things that he's accomplished. So I hated my life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of its meaninglessness, a chasing after the wind... I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom and knowledge and skill, and then they must leave all, their own, all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days their work is grief and pain. Even at night their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. Now I don't think Solomon is having some kind of pity party for himself. I I think in his wisdom he's just looking honestly, reflecting on his work And he comes to this conclusion, you know what, one day I'm going to die. And when I die, all the things that I have acquired and all my accomplishments will be passed on to my children, to my son, and who knows what they're going to do with it. In fact, it's kind of prophetic because his son Rehoboam was a foolish king, And he split the kingdom and squandered all of Solomon's accomplishments. So what Solomon was afraid of actually came true. And it's not only that that frustrated him. It's not only the fact that that he had to die and he can't take it with him. There's no U-Haul behind a hearse. But also, even while he was working, he said, my work is filled with grief and pain during the day. And then I can't sleep at night because I'm anxious about it. Does that ever happen to you? And so he didn't know what to do. He he didn't know why he worked so hard. He couldn't find any meaning. And he uses this phrase five times. You saw it highlighted in the text. Five times he uses this phrase, under the sun. What that means is Solomon was looking at his life from the street level just looking at, at what he does and what he accomplishes, stuff he could write down as if there was no eternity, no God, no nothing. He just wanted to look at it from a, a reasonable, philosophical, street-level view. As I look at my life under the sun, what do I accomplish, what I pass on, what I do during the day, it doesn't seem to have any objective, lasting meaning under the sun. It's a chasing after the wind, he says. We're continuing this sermon series called Called. And in this sermon series called, we're looking at all the different callings in our life. Uh, the callings of motherhood, the callings of, 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 of marriage, the callings of being a, a child. And today we're looking at the calling of being an employee, of, of your job, of your work, your, your, the things that you do nine to five. And here's the question I want to answer today. How can we find meaning at work when our jobs seem so meaningless? Even the best jobs sometimes don't seem to really have lasting value. And to answer that question, we're going to go back to Ephesians chapter 6 and look at something that the Apostle Paul wrote to his church in the city of Ephesus in, in the Roman Empire. And Paul picks out the most meaningless work that you could imagine. Slavery, being a slave. Let me give you a little background to what it was like in the first century in the Roman Empire. I mean, the Roman Empire owned basically the Western world at this time. And according to historians, in that day, there were only two classes of people. You were either slave or free. We think today about three classes, right? They Maybe lower class, middle class, upper class. And that's based on your income level, maybe. In the ancient Roman Empire, there were only two classes of people: either you were a slave or you were free. Now, now, Paul talking to the slaves is not—he—he he is not um, somehow supporting this institution. This is just how things were. In fact, some historians say that there were more slaves than free people in the Roman Empire. Because every time they would conquer a new land, all the people that they would conquer, those prisoners of war, would become slaves. The Bible doesn't support, in fact, the Bible is the only hope to end this kind of practice. Uh, What the Christians did, I mean, this this small group of Christians in this huge, vast Roman Empire, the way they undermined the whole slave um, system that was so prevalent, is Paul said, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, come sit at this table at the Lord's Supper and we're all equal here. And it totally undermined the whole Roman culture of class and, and power struggle. And if you want to know what, what God thinks about slavery, just think about the Exodus. He, he rescued God's people from Exodus, or out, of, out of Egyptian slavery. But Paul's got to deal with the reality there were people in his congregation that were slaves. And, and so Paul wanted to speak to those people who seemed to have a meaningless life, people who were a low man on the totem pole, people who didn't seem to see any value in what they do. They had no, they had no rights. They had no right to marriage. They had no right to property. They had very little hope of, of gaining their freedom by paying off their debts. But he wanted to speak to them and say, even in a situation as a slave... You can find meaning. Now if that's true, if Paul can somehow help people who are in slavery find meaning in their work, what does that mean for you and me? So let's listen to see how how Paul says uh, we can find meaning. He says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters, not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, Obey your earthly masters, and not just when they're watching, not just to win their favor, but all the time. And I think our knee-jerk reaction, our question is, why? I mean, even in the best work, sometimes I don't want to show up and, and give it my best. Why would slaves, why, Paul, why would you say slaves work as hard as you can, even when no one's watching? I mean, what do you get out of it? You're not going to get ahead you're not going to get an extra bonus. You're not going to get an income. You're not going to get property. There seems to be no evidence, no reason to work hard even when no one's watching. Unless someone is. You see, the apostle Paul believed that there was something beyond the sun. You know, Solomon said life under the sun seems meaningless. But Paul said, but I know that there is life beyond the sun. There is someone beyond the sun and something beyond the sun that gives our life meaning and purpose. There is an incredible story that we need to be aware of. And so let me read the whole section of of how Paul looks at the world. He says, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Obey your earthly masters, even when they're not watching, because someone is watching. Jesus who loves you and rescues you. You're not owned by that slave master. You're owned by Christ. You're a slave of Christ, he says. And, and Christ is your king, and he loves you and accepts you and he lived for you. He died for you. And, and what Paul is doing he sees, he's reminding us of God's great story that started in the beginning. Where God created the first two human beings and he gave them good work. He said that he made man and woman in his image, in his likeness. Why? To rule over this world and to take care of it. God could have done it on his own, but he wanted to give them the the joy and the opportunity to participate in creation. Martin Luther once said that, that God milks the cows through the milkmaids. God milks the cows through the milkmaids. Or as Paul says earlier in Ephesians, he says, You are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for you to do. So obey your masters, work hard, work diligently, because you have a higher master, Jesus Christ. There's someone beyond the sun, But not just someone beyond the sun. there is something beyond the sun. Listen to what he says next, verse 7. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. See, Paul believed that not only did this world have a beginning where God gave us good things to do, And he carries out his work in creation through us, through our work. And we're working ultimately for God. But Paul believes that there's a last day. Those of you who attended that class I taught on on heaven, we emphasize this a lot, that that Jesus is coming back to judge the living and the dead. He's going to resurrect our bodies and resurrect our world. And Paul says that on that day, the Lord will reward each one of you for whatever good you do, whether you're slave or free. So your boss might not give you a bonus, but God will. God promises to reward you on that last day for all those things you did in secret. Whether you're, you're a, middle, uh, a minimum wage employee, what you do faithfully in God's name will be rewarded on the last day. No matter what kind of work you do, no matter who you are, what you do in secret for Jesus in his name will be rewarded in the last day. That might be a surprise to you. Maybe you never heard that before, but that is exactly what Paul says here in this reading. And it gives meaning and purpose to everything that we do. The problem is we don't always remember that. The problem is sometimes we just look at the world from an earthly perspective, from a temporal perspective, like Solomon said, under the sun. And if this life as it is now is all that we have, well, it's no wonder then that we compromise to get ahead. It's no wonder we're so obsessed about being recognized and approved it's no wonder that we fall into such selfishness and sin because we're trying to get everything we can out of this life if we think that this life is all there is. And we try to turn ourselves into our own kind of gods. And it makes us miserable. When we live for this world as it is, it makes us miserable. And it's sin against God. But that's why God came into this world. That's why God came into this world and lived the life that we were supposed to, did the good work that we were always supposed to do, died on the cross to pay for all those times that we lived just for this world. And all the times we've compromised on our ethics, all the times we've put in a lazy day of work, all the times we haven't worked for the Lord, Jesus did the hard work in our place to pay for our sins. And he rose again as a picture of what's going to happen again. It makes me think of that movie back in the, I think it was 1990s. Do you ever see the movie, The Truman Show? The movie, The Truman Show, starred Jim Carrey. And, and, and what this movie was about is that Truman, Jim Carrey, his whole life was being taped. It was like a reality TV show. And everything was fake. Everybody in the village was an actor. And everything was contrived. And he was living kind of in this big bubble of a village. And the only person who didn't know that his life was fake was Truman. And he kind of felt like, man, life really doesn't seem to matter. I I don't feel like this world is is that real. And he had these hints that things aren't aren't right. But he didn't know what it was until a woman, one of the actresses, came in and shared with him the secret. That there's a world outside of this world. There's a bigger world and and a more true world and a real world. And the whole goal of the movie then was for Jim Carrey Truman to break out of the Truman Show. That's what we need. We need someone to come into our world to let us know that this world is not all there is. And that's Jesus Christ. We need someone to tell us that that there is a life of, of meaning and purpose beyond the world. But the difference between the Truman Show and reality is Jesus didn't come to tell us to break out of this world Jesus came into this world to show us reality, and he said he's coming back again to blow the lid off this place. And everything that you've done in this world, in this life, in his name, by his power, through his spirit, has eternal impact. Whether you're slave or free, whether you're wiping down tables or you're saving lives on the in surgery, whatever you're doing, when you do it in the name of Jesus, it has an eternal memory, eternal value, and has internal significance on that last day. It's not meaningless. And so that helps us answer our question. How can we find meaning at work when our jobs seem so meaningless? Remember who you work for. Remember who you work for. I was thinking about this. I was washing the dishes this last week. I'm not washing these dishes just for myself or the family. I'm doing this for Jesus. You know, right? Anything you're doing, I'm doing this for Jesus. Washing the dishes has value. When I go and when I punch in at work, I'm not just doing this for my boss and his approval. I'm doing it for the one who already approves of me, Jesus Christ. I'm going to work hard because I want to show the world who God is. And even those things that I do that no one else sees, God will reward on that last day. So this is what Paul is telling us. Work hard because you work for the Lord. Work hard because you work for the Lord. That's who you work for. And he loves you and he accepts you and he's proud of you. And he wants to use you. There's not a great quote from Martin Luther. He said this: "The Christian shoemaker does, does his duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes, because God is interested in good craftsmanship." I love that. A Christian. A salesman is not just somebody who's got a fish symbol on his business card. A Christian salesman is somebody who, who offers a service and is honest. A Christian construction worker is not drawing little crosses on every board, but one that builds a good house because you're reflecting the image of God. You're reflecting our creator who does all things good, all things well. And when you do things, the talents that you've been given, the gifts that you've been given in the name of Jesus, when you do it well, you do it for the Lord, it has eternal value. That's what a Christian hard worker is. It's working for the Lord. I hope you find the work that you love. (laughs) I hope you can find a job that matches your, your talents and your skills and your passions but I want to let you know, life under the sun, in this life that's still plagued with sin and death, it's still always going to feel a little bit like toil. Even in the best job, work is going to be work. It just is. It's going to be hard. It's thankless sometimes. It's going to be frustrating. Sometimes you're not going to get ahead. Sometimes you're not going to be rewarded. But even though life under the sun and work under the sun seems hard as a Christian, it's never meaningless. It's never meaningless because what you do is done for the Lord and will be remembered for eternity. And so, Tuesday, after another day off, right? Hopefully you have off tomorrow. Tuesday, when you go back to work, just keep this one idea in mind. Remember who you really work for. The Lord Jesus Christ, the one who saved you, who loves you, who accepts you, the one who's so proud of you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, forgive us for all the times that we have had blinders on our eyes to not see the real story. That you're coming back again. That our lives have eternal significance. That what we do right now will follow us into eternity. So we pray that you would forgive us, that you would love us, that you accept us, and that by your power, by your spirit, you would lead us to work hard because we're working for you.